It's the Not Gonna Lie podcast presented by Student Union Sports. This week, Pat and I talk about some of the surprise teams in the NFL this season and how they got there and what it looks like for them moving forward. We obviously talked about the Bears, we talked about the Colts, um, and then hit all the primetime games, plus our bets, and we got back to our scouting book report. Don't want to miss it. Welcome back to the Not Gonna Lie podcast. I'm John here with Pat. Another week of football. Uh, I mean, I imagine I'm probably feeling a little bit better about my guys than you are about your guys. Um, probably. Not to not to rub it in or anything. I also went five and zero in fantasy this week. Not that anybody cares, but it was just a fun, a, a fun little thing. Matt Ryan not sucking helped a lot, um, which we'll talk about, but. All things considered, feeling pretty good. Bet on Jason Tatum, six plus assists tonight. That's gonna hit. I mean, we're just we're on a tear. We're on a tear. How'd you do bet bet wise this weekend? What was your record? Oh, I need to, I need to double check. I went two and one. I felt pretty good about it. So I'm up to I think ten and ten and five this year. Uh or maybe sure. ten and eleven and seven. I'm pretty sure I went one and two. I'll need to go back and double check to be sure, but I believe it's one and two. I somehow talked myself out of that under in the commander's bears game, which is that's on me hand up like my bat, not going to happen again. I said that the bears were going to win. So it, it's all good. It, you know, it's all good, but I did have, I believe the I had, best of us. Yeah. I had Vikings minus three. So we were good there. That was my, my one win. I have to double check. I can't remember my third one. Um, but I will look and we'll give, maybe we'll talk to, we'll talk to Liam. We'll get a graphic up there of our, of our picks, even though it's our picks. Of, maybe after a three, no week for me, then we can, then we can. I, I mean, I'm going to pick them. And I think out of the 14 games this week or 13 games this week, I went, I had five wins. It was, it was brutal. The NFL was kind of on its, on its head. this week. It was a, so. yeah, it was a weird week. I mean, a couple of, of big upsets or at least upsets in my mind with the, Steelers and the uh wow the the Giants beating the Ravens that was a big one um, let's actually start there because that was something that we wanted to talk about was okay. what's the what's the ceiling for the Giants and we also wanted to talk about the ceiling for the Falcons and I think that that kind of plays into the Steelers beating the Bucks this past weekend yeah we can lump it all in together yeah uh what what do you think? I mean, it's I okay. I saw this this tweet, um, and it was uh, it was a Breaking Bad meme, and it was Walter and Jesse going back and forth, and Jesse talking about how like the Giants aren't good; they're just like the teams that they're playing just aren't playing good when they play them, and that feels like the, and Walter's like, "What are you like, Jesse? What are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense," um, and that's like the best way to describe it because I'm in sure. the same boat of like. I don't think they're good. Like, name me one player not named Saquon Barkley that you're like, yeah, I need that guy on my team. 
Like it's like they're I, maybe it's Brian Dable. Giants defense is is very impressive, and then you have Saquon who's doing well, and it's then you look at it and it's like David Sills wide receiver one, Daniel Jones QB one. Where yeah. do you go from here? But you're five and one, and you can't really take away from the fact that you're five and one. Although I will say, I believe the Bears in 2020 started four and one or five and one. And then we're utterly embarrassed for, I think, seven weeks in a row. So bad things can happen to teams that start hot. But uh, we kind of looked at it. Giants look fun. Or Giants are playing fun. You're you're absolutely right that it's like the worst of teams comes out against the Giants, which I think is a product of good coaching by New yeah, York. You have to give them some like some sort of credit. Yeah. A little it, bit at least. You know, you're you're six weeks through. It's too weird of that to just be a coincidence for five times now. Yeah. Um, they also I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that they got lucky because Kenyon Drake was still very was efficient in that second half. But uh JK Dobbins going out kind of changes things. Um, but not drastically enough where they should have blown that game either. Um yeah, a weird, weird turnover at the end by the Ravens. I think the Ravens have, so they're three and three on the season. And I saw a graphic and it showed in seconds the amount of time that every team at 500 or less has been trailing. Um, So second place is the 49ers with, I think, like 3,500 seconds or something like that. Number one team is the Baltimore Ravens who have been trailing for a total of 120 seconds this season and have lost the game. Like that's that's unreal. That's crazy. Yeah, they're um, losing important ones too. Like you wouldn't necessarily say that like an intra conference game is all that important, but it's a game that they probably should have had circled as this is a game that we can win, that we should win, mm-hmm. and then they didn't. Yeah, that's one that you look back on when you finish nine and eight or whatever you finish as, and say hmm, that's a spot where we. Could have been a game up and could have you know played our way into a better opponent in the playoffs or something like that yeah i i think i don't know it's it's tough for them because i mean i've said it and i'm still a big believer in them i think it's tough for them especially because um you know the the less of a gap that they have from the browns and from the Bengals, the tougher it's going to be because once Deshaun comes back if the browns are within a stone star division of the division like anything can happen you know, and if you're going to sit at around 500, which is something that you can do in the NFC, not necessarily the AFC, um, just looking at the record, that's crazy just how it shapes out. Um, but a lot of football left. And I mean, if you're trailing 120 seconds and you've lost three games, like that's just unfortunate. There's no other way to put it. Um, but so you mentioned, of the team, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, you mentioned the, you mentioned the Ravens at three and three, a couple of other three and three teams. You brought up the Steelers upsetting the Bucs. So they have the Bucs at three and three. They're tied for first in the NFC South with the Atlanta Falcons, who I think up until last week, you and I have been pretty low on them saying, Hey, they're very competitive. Like they've been scrappy. They've been competitive. They were, they still are to this point. The only team that is covered through each of the first six weeks. But three and three is a little shocking. And then you and I were looking at their schedule and we'll get into this another time, but they probably have about seven winnable games on that schedule. Yeah. And we could be talking about a 10 and seven Falcons that could squeak into the playoffs considering 
how bad the rest of this conference kind of is. Yeah, I, I saw a tweet uh, that was talking about how basically he doesn't think that essentially he thinks that the Falcons should be tanking, right? And I think that that, like, he said that they're doing themselves a disservice by winning three games. Um, and, uh, like, the part of it that, yeah, like, yeah, from a standpoint of you want to build, like, this is a great QB class. You want to be able to build for the future, all this stuff, whatever. Like, that makes sense if you're playing a Madden franchise. But the reality yeah. of the situation is there are 52 guys plus the whatever coaching staff that want to go out there and are trying to win every game. Like, obviously that like that's their whole goal of what they're going to do and now you're set up in a position where you're three and three like like we talked about they've got an easy schedule i'll just read it really quick the schedule coming down the stretch um the last uh 11 games of the season Bengals, yeah. panthers chargers uh panthers bears commanders steelers saints ravens cardinals bucks and realistically the way this uh the conference is shaping out five wins could be enough uh, and there, there are five. I can pick out five games from that schedule that they would definitely win. Um, not to the mention, Panthers twice, the Bears and the Commanders. That's yeah. four right there. Mm -hmm. And you just need another couple to go your way. Yeah. And just looking at also, I, this was just something that's interesting to me. Uh, they're second in cap space, projected cap space next season. Yep. And I mean, the, the opportunities for them are like all the signs are pointing to them to you need to be pushing to win games because the, I don't know. It's the, the thread just was very confusing to me. It was just a long drawn out thing of saying you need to be losing games. Um, but the reality is like, say what you want about the Bears, say what you want about the Falcons and we can talk about them. They've been competitive in games where they're not necessarily having to throw the ball 25 times. Yeah. Like the, the bears have been competitive in a good chunk of their football games. So of the Falcons. Um, and it's it's an interesting development because we've seen this has just been a huge pass first league. But now some of these, like two of these teams in particular are, I don't know, it's weird. Like uh, it's just something that I don't really know where I land on it, but it's just looking at them and saying, okay, wow, they don't have great quarterback play, but they're not 0-6. Like there's something, yeah, there's something to it. Well, it's kind of interesting because the the discussion of, you know, we keep talking about all these college prospects, but none of them are we've that we've really talked about are high ranking quarterbacks. Yeah. Bryce Young is probably going to be a top pick in the draft based on just how the NFL works. Um, but if the Falcons didn't get him, what else would have been their what would have been their second call kind of a thing? And that's what they're that's what I feel like they're missing right now is like dynamite quarterback play. Yeah. But they're still kind of getting it done and they're still having a fluent offense and it it's working. So I mean, yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you though. I coming out of college just watching him play, I really like Desmond Ritter's game. And the yeah. offense that they've constructed, it's perfect, a perfect plug and play whenever they do decide to, you know, slide him into that role. Um, I don't even think they need that. They've got Calvin Ridley coming back next year, 60 million dollars to spend. Like this is a team that is a couple pieces on defense away. Like it just seems like a couple spots because they're, they play tough. Arthur Smith, I think needs to get a little bit more respect as a coach. Um, I mean, take away that collapse against new Orleans and they're four and two. 
right? Like you hate to like do that and whatever, but they were up by two touchdowns. Like that game was in the fourth quarter. That game was done. Um, yeah. One more team here that has surprised expectations and uh, interesting betting note. So you think about coach of the year. Um, the two that come to mind, I feel like for people are obviously Brian Dable, um, five and one giants, and then Nick Sirianni, because the Eagles are still undefeated. If they, you know, if they go undefeated or lose two games, that's a lock for coach of the year. The guy, and they're, they're plus, I think last I checked, Dable was plus 450. Sirianni was plus 150. A guy who should be getting a little bit more attention, uh, Robert Sala. Jets are four and two. He's plus 2,000 right now. He has the same odds to win coach of the year as uh, Brandon Staley, which we'll talk about the Chargers-Broncos game uh, in a little bit, and he should not be there. Um, but that's the last team I want to talk about and as far as like beating expectations. I, I think a lot of the credit goes to Joe Douglas and the guys that he's drafted. We haven't even seen Jermaine Johnson yet, but a lot of his top-round guys have hit. And, you know, like they had a lot of first-round picks, and that's the thing of like, oh, well, you've got a lot of shots at it. But to be that effective um, through his first two years is pretty impressive, in my opinion. Um, I mean, we haven't seen everything from Zach Wilson yet, but Elijah Moore uh, has played well. Uh, you look at Garrett Wilson, he's played well. Brees Hall, Michael Carter, Elijah Vera Tucker, like they're uh, Sauce Gardner, not, not, not to forget about him. There are like six dynamic guys that are, first or second year that are playing at a high level right now. And I, like, that's very impressive. I think Mike LaFleur deserves a lot of credit too with that offense, just because it, it seems schemed well right now. They're yeah. playing to their advantages and they're also able to pinpoint their opponent's disadvantages, which, you know, any good offensive coordinator should be able to do, but they're doing it against teams like Green Bay where, it's, you know, they get lucky with a couple of turnovers, but really it's just hammering home a few aspects of the run defense will not be able to contain us if we just keep running ball. And that's what worked. And that's why you didn't see Zach Wilson throwing 74 times or anything like that. You didn't, you didn't see like anything silly because now look at them. They're, they're born to born too. Yeah. Um, and you've somehow positioned yourself very well in the AFC picture, considering that the AFC West was kind of the division that we all thought was going to be what the AFC East has been this year. Yeah. Or even the NFC East. Yeah. Yeah. I it's, it's something, I mean, there's this, there's always a couple of these teams, but I mean, add the jets to the list too, of a team that doesn't really need, uh, their quarterback to go out and throw 35 times to be in games. Um, yeah. But they're doing well. Robert Sala plus 2000 is a very attractive Tough number. to beat. Yeah. It's a very attractive number, good value at this point. Um, all right, let's talk about some teams that we thought were going to be really good and have been really good. The Bills and the Chiefs. Before we talk about any analysis, I just want to say I'm pissed because Red Zone decided to just stop two and a half minutes with two and a half minutes left in that game. I had like, switched to just that game at that point. So I wasn't watching red zone anymore, but so I didn't know that, but that's very funny. 
So yeah, so I I'm I stream it, so I don't have access to the local channels because CBS does like their little paid plan if you want to watch it live. And so two and a half minutes left, I'm like, man, this is going to be a good one. They cut back to Andrew Siciliano, who is I hate him. Um, that's besides the point. And he's just like, yeah, that's it from us at Red Zone. I was like, is that some sort of like was he like, oh, haha, just kidding? But no, they cut it and it was done. And so I had to watch uh the play-by-play on the espn app instead of the actual game uh, brutal so that was stupid but whatever let's get, talk about the game itself let's talk get about an antenna get an antenna they're like 15 bucks at walmart you get <laughs> you get fox you get cbs you get nbc and then you yeah. can just have that in addition to streaming red zone yeah i guess it's just i don't know I I haven't encountered a situation like that before. That's the sure. Trouble. That's the trouble. Um, yeah, no, those teams are so good. Uh, we're I I really hope that we see that again. Yeah. This year. Um. I think I, I will say like one, I don't know what else you can say about it. One thing for me, I think, was the difference maker. Um, was I think Devin Singletary. Because we know the quarterbacks are good. Yeah. We know that like they're going to drive the ball down the field, but it's really a matter of obviously one who can keep, uh, who can hold on to the ball. Um, but really who can establish that other facet of the game? Like Devin Singletary was gashing them for six, seven yard runs very consistently. Um, and that's something that, you know, the, the chiefs are still like, they haven't found that right combination of CEH Pacheco and Jerk McKinnon yet. Um, but the Bills seem to have that in Singletary. Um, but yeah, I hope we see them again. That was a great game. I hope I get to see the end of the next one because um, that would be sweet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because only one of those guys can go to the Super Bowl. Only one of those teams can. Um, yeah, I definitely hope that it's Buffalo. Um, that's just, that's anti-Kansas City bias though. I mean, fair enough. And I, I think that if you look at, you know, what Von Miller has been able to do for the Bills, not even like, because they're not playing him a ton. I think they they were saying that they keep him to about 50, 60% snap share to, to yeah. keep him fresh. But like the insight that he brings uh, and the really the coaching, because you look at their defensive line, the Bills front is really good. Even if you take away, uh, if you take away Von Miller, but yeah, hopefully we get a, a, a round two. Um Let's transition away from really good football to Thursday night football. Uh, your Bears. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to just air the grievances that I have right now, and that's that this team is bad. I, I've said that the last couple of weeks. I had higher expectations. I think when they were 2-2, two and two, I said something like, this team, these next three weeks are very important because you could see this team either being 5-2 and two or 2-5, two and five, and that's exactly what we have. Um, and the funniest part about that is they've shot themselves in the foot with a fumbled punt return and two of the last three to seal it. Um, and then a, a bad fumble on the, on the sideline two weeks ago. It's, it's silly football right now because it's, they're, they're playing their way back into these games and their second half adjustments have been fine. A okay. But then they do something just moronic that I don't know where that, I don't know where that fix be like stems from. 
because this coaching staff has preached accountability. But when Vellis Jones Jr. fumbles it in week four, and then again in week six, why is he still returning punts? And then uh, today they cut Amir Smith-Marset, who fumbled that ball on the sideline in week five. Like that's accountability. Like that's like, hey. And then he dropped another pass that would have been a nice first down on um, on Thursday night too. They're just making silly mistakes right now, and they can't protect Fields. And Fields isn't doing well enough at protecting himself, and he's holding on to the ball. Although those numbers are skewed because when he when the offensive line breaks down on the left and then he scrambles from the right and then back onto the other side of the field, trying to hurl it. They say the time to throw on that is like eight seconds. And then that increases the average. And it's like, well, yeah, no, duh. Yeah. Um, well, and, and no one's concerned with the average of like, let's say Russ and his prime in Seattle, because it's yeah. like he was doing all that. And it's just a matter of like, like that's just an easy stat to point to, but that doesn't tell the whole story. He, he, uh, right now, the biggest problem for him is that he lacks touch. Um, if he can hit these wide receivers in the flat a little bit more than, um, or like he, he missed Ryan Griffin, but the big problem on the Ryan Griffin one was Ryan Griffin sidestepped to the ball and there was no reason for him to do that. Fields was not going to hit him because if Ryan Griffin had just been in stride, he would have been fine. But then there's the interception that he throws off of a defensive lineman's helmet. You can't do that. So show that you can get better, show that you can progress. That's a big thing. But I am sick and tired of watching this team end a game with 88 yards passing because it's 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 just stop trying to win games. Like obviously you want to win, but focus on the development side first. That that is more important this season than anything else right now because i can't even they 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 play the bills right before christmas i wish that game was week five just so that they could see the difference between a team that's built well and a team that needs to be built just so that they could get the impression all right screw this we're not competing focus on just having justin field throw as not as many times as he can in a game you don't want him throwing 57 times and not throwing any touchdowns but I hate that it, yeah especially see if that. Was, especially if DraftKings maybe did a promotion about a guy who's thrown a touchdown in 25 of his last 26 games all he has to do is throw one and you double your money That's um all. but then it, it it it's just frustrating when on the flip side of it it's the polar opposite and it's you're only throwing 15 times a game you're only throwing you know 18 times a game, you only get, you know, 88 yards, your receivers are dropping it. You're not helping yourself um, as an offense. So, um, and, and like trying to grow. So that's, that's frustrating. As for Washington, person once breaking his hand, like obviously not great for them, but I don't get why they're starting Taylor Heineke and not Sam Howell. You used a draft pick on Sam Howell. Taylor Heineke, you've watched him play for the last two years, and he's scrappy. He can get it done in like a like we almost saw him win a playoff game, and then we saw him win a few games in relief of Ryan, of Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's not like a he's not going to light it up, and you also know what you have with him. So that's kind of frustrating, and it would be frustrating to me if I was Sam Howell 
because you used a draft pick on me. Are you just punting on that pick right now? Like, this is the time to throw him in. Yeah. Maybe I, they really I, just want to give him that bridge year, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, because it was, what was it, like a fifth round fifth round pick? Something like that. Um, I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe he he turns into the next Bailey Zappi um, or whatever the case. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I, I'm a fan of Heineke. Um, I think that that this is more of a move, and I think this kind of echoes your point a little bit, of them trying to stay competitive in games as opposed to focusing on that development. Because um, I think those are the two paths. And Heineke will keep you in games. He'll win you a couple, but that's about it. Um, but as far as the Bears go, from my standpoint, you know who else had a problem with touch? Josh Allen. Look at him now. Think about that one. You you can always look at those guys because what what else did Josh Allen have? He had immense athletic talent, was able to run, and has a great deep ball. And those are the two things that Justin Fields has going for him right now. Yeah. Does Justin Fields have the pieces to surround himself, though? I don't know. And obviously, you have to give them time to build that. They were never going to be able to do that in four months before the season after being hired. But it just feels like you're wasting time to see what you have. Um, anybody who thinks that they're going to give up on him at the end of the season, I think, is just being short-sighted and stupid. Because um, that just there's no point in doing that. Um but yeah, you, you'd just like to see a little bit more from them, for sure. All right. And the purposes of of getting a good title out there, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say Justin Fields is the next Josh Allen. And that's going to be the title. But the caveat's going to be if he gets the proper development, works on making the every down throws. Um, and Nobody circles the wagons like the Chicago Bears. That's right. And gets better receivers than what he currently has which this is a good segue let's talk about it the panthers apparently are just selling they're just i've not like this is it seems like the first time i've heard of something like this happen in football right where it's like the react like you think baseball happens all the time like teams are buying and selling but football trades don't really happen that often but it feels like from what we've kind of gathered that it's just like open season on Panthers players. The Bills have yeah. called about Christian McCaffrey. Um, DJ Moore, there's rumors of him getting moved. Robbie Anderson was traded to the Cardinals after he was kicked off the field um, the, on Sunday. So let's talk about landing spots. Uh, I know the Bills have talked about potentially getting Christian McCaffrey, um, but really, I, I don't think this is a hot take, but really how, like, how much better given all the capital that you're going to have to give up is he going to be over Devin Singletary like if you factor everything in really Devin Singletary is like a discount Christian McCaffrey a great pass catcher who could run the ball a little bit but Christian McCaffrey's not like he's not going to be the guy that you Peyton out of the backfield yeah he he's not the guy that you you need to run the clock out on games because that's really what they need they need a closer they can find a bunch of guys to catch passes, but they need a closer. Christian McCaffrey's not going to be that closer. Is Cam Akers that closer that they're looking for? Uh, yes. Any situation that you need like one yard because he is good for two and a half every time. Very good at that. No he's, like, he's like a fullback. Yeah. Yeah. He's elite at getting two yards per carry. 
Um, yeah, I mean, just thinking about it, because we talked about it, and I think you'd mentioned Antonio Gibson getting moved, but like what team really needs that running back? Um, and the only option that you can like you can think of is obviously like a contending team looking to add a piece. And it might be the Chiefs for two reasons. One, because they haven't been able to figure it out. And if they can use CEH in shorter spurts and Pacheco, maybe it helps them out. But two, and more importantly, it's so that the Bills don't get them. Yep. But other than that, I don't, I mean, do you, what do you, what do you think? I think that the, I think that the Chiefs are probably more comfortable just doing it by committee at this point. Um, I don't know. I I don't know. Um, You could see McCaffrey kind of going somewhere else in the AFC East. Maybe Miami, maybe New England. Okay. But I mean, not saying. I, I'm w- I'm with you on Miami makes sense, but I I feel like that doesn't seem like a Bill Belichick Patriots type move. Ramondre's run well. Except, Damian Harris is coming except back. Christian McCaffrey's white. I feel like that usually bodes well for any player going to New England. <laughs> I didn't I didn't factor that into my analysis. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Sabermetrics don't really cover that. Um, <laughs> it's the clutch gene. Um, no, so yeah, it, it's. Uh, the expectation right now is that he probably like could be moved. Although Jay Glazer said Carolina wants multiple firsts and that's just not going to happen. So Never. maybe he this does get moved. This isn't 1980. You're not As for DJ for Moore, what would make millions. sense is shipping him off for like a third round pick. Yeah. To a team in desperate need of wide receivers, regardless of who their offensive line situation might be. Maybe mm-hmm. a team that's like two and four. And could really just use, you know, bounce. Yeah, that, uh, like a really good pass catcher. It's been the talk about how they have next to no pass catchers on the team. Yeah, and kind of like how Stefan Diggs say, you know, he like he went to where did he go? He went to Buffalo, and who was their quarterback? Uh, oh, Josh who's, Allen. Who's Josh Allen? Oh man, and there was a DJ guy that Moore. we talked. We have a guy we compared Josh Allen to. Just yeah. a little bit ago. So DJ Moore could go to the Bears and like kind of save the season and then they'll run the table and win the Super Bowl. But you know, I don't want to put too much pressure on it. Listen, listen. Can uh, DJ Moore really... also play defense? That's the, that's the question. Can and DJ maybe, Moore pass rush? Uh, yeah, and maybe at the offensive line too. Can he put him somewhere in there? Maybe return punts, maybe catch the ball. Just no, 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 just, just catch for him. a fair catch. No, just catch him. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't he does not have to return him. It's very funny though that you you said that because I was literally just about to ask you, what do you think about having DJ Moore on uh on the Chicago Bears? But it sounds like that's something that you're uh oh, it's something that I've dreamt of and thought about far too much. You know, I think that we're uh, we're like a couple episodes in now. Um, and there's the the podcast that's usually about where they find their thing. And I think our thing is gonna be josh uh justin fields is the next josh allen i think that's just going to be our like talking point that we go <laughs> yeah yeah pardon my take had josh allen draft josh allen.com mm-hmm. we're gonna have please say that please justin be nice fields to justin fields.com justin yeah. fields doesn't suck.com i'll get the domain now okay perfect um, i like it yeah, like you'd think that they would be more willing to sell. Maybe it's a bluff. Maybe they're just trying to drive the price up with like the whole two first round picks, but they're not going to get that for anybody. Um, yeah, no shot. And that doesn't 
yeah, and there's no reason that a team should pay the price on that either. Um, but but for the Panthers fans saying like, well, why would you trade DJ Moore, who's a 25 year old wide receiver, three years left on his contract, you know, whatever. Yeah. But are you going to be good in three years? I mean, you've you've wait like he's been able to create a nice career out of scraps. Yeah. Like it's it's been fantastic. But this is like a new low. Like this isn't sustainable. And I'm sure that him watching Robbie Anderson throwing a fit and getting kicked off the field and getting traded, it maybe, you know, now he's thinking, hmm, is that all it takes? Like just have a little outburst yeah. on the field and I get to go. Um, but it, yeah, it's frustrating because he really is a guy that um I've definitely overlooked for like the bulk of his career, like even looking at it from like a fantasy perspective, but just like a skill perspective too. Um, he's a really talented receiver and in the right situation, I think he could be like a, a top 20 guy. Like we're thinking like yeah. Deontay Johnson last year, maybe not Deontay Johnson this year, but like, that's kind of the, the idea of, of where, like where I'm at with that. Um, did you hear, okay, this is now that we mentioned Deontay Johnson, did you hear about the report? that came out of the locker room last week, which is the reason why Trubisky got benched. No. So allegedly at halftime, Deontay was like talking to him and he was like, you got to throw me the ball. Um, and there were like words exchanged. I don't know like the entire specifics. It was very like vague, but allegedly he was like, you got to throw me the ball. And Trubisky was like, I did. And you dropped one and you were out of bounds on the other. Um, or something along those lines. There was a back and forth. That's my quarterback. Things things got tense. And then he just, it was announced that he was benched. But then he came back in after wow. Kenny Pickett got a concussion and pretty much clinched the game for them against the Bucks. So, yeah. The mid show. You know, well, I feel like this is just, just another day in the life of a. Just another day in the life Mitch of Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky. Yeah. Oh. Justin Fields and Mitch Trubisky are both better than you think.com um well wait i mean we got to keep it we're going to lose all credibility like everything if we if we don't uh, j-f-a-m-t-a-b-y-t.com all right let's talk about the colts and then let's go to the games let's keep it moving uh wow this was like by far best game of the year some weird big runs that we gave up um like just huge chunk plays um but offensively, I mean, yeah, Matt Ryan's not going to throw the ball 58 times. But our mindset of this game needs to be taken, even if Jonathan Taylor comes back next week, and we need to put that same game plan. Because I'm perfectly fine getting the ball to Jonathan Taylor out in space like they did Deion Jackson. Deion Jackson was an RB1 last week because, yeah. because he caught 10 passes. And he, I think he had, a, I think it was about like 13 carries um three yards of carry nothing crazy like that but get your get your best player out into space like that was really what it was and then things opened up for everybody else Michael Pittman had the best game of his career uh yep it was just even the offensive line looked good I think we've got our our rotation down I think we're set um even if Matt Ryan doesn't throw an absolute dot to Alec Pierce to win the game uh like that is this was our best game of the season. It's nice that we won it, but like, even if Chase McLaughlin had gone out there and absolutely shanked the, the kick, I would still be saying the same things 
it feels better after a win, but like it feels it feels good. Like it seems like this was kind of the turning point, and this is big because we've got the Titans this week, and then essentially we're going into it. You know, AFC South is up for grabs. More importantly, the tiebreaker. Um, because we lose this game, it's going to be very tough to overcome the Titans plus a game. Um, but we do have that tie, so I guess that makes things a little weird. But anyways, long story short, largely impressed with the offense. Um, the defense, Shaq Leonard is on his way back, so that, you know, we'll figure that out. But defensive line got to the, the quarterback really well. Um, like, there were, a, there were a couple of pieces that we can work on, but defensive line played great, their best game of the year. Offense as a whole, their best game of the year. Um, it feels good. This is like, this is yeah. what I expected. No, it should. Yeah. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, Matt Ryan's not going to throw the ball 58 times, but it's nice to see, not to mention our tight ends. I mean, come on. I feel like that guy. Um, yeah. Have you seen that video where the dude's like talking about the running backs and he's like, dog. Well, let's yeah, talk about yeah, the tight ends yeah. for a second. We've got Jelani Woods, six, eight moves like he's six foot dog. We've got Mo Alley Cox. Did you know he played basketball in high school? Dog. We've got Kylan Granson. You sometimes forget about him. He's shifty. He's apparently eighth in separation gained on routes run. Didn't know that till today, thanks to Twitter, but dog. You may be saying, okay, who's going to block for him at tight end? Doesn't matter. We've got three dogs that can catch the ball. That's all that counts. Um, and scene, and this we're is done. the game that I think this is the game that I think you were thinking of when Jonathan Taylor was ruled out for the first time this year. And you said maybe they just need Jonathan Taylor to take a back yeah. seat. This was that game. I was just one week off on it. Yeah. And now it and now it's starting to feel like maybe you not maybe you fixed the offense, but you're heading in the right direction with it. So that's good. When you give Matt Ryan time to throw, he can do pretty good things with it. Yeah, he can still sling it. So yeah. um primetime games. Yes. We already talked Thursday night. What is what was the Sunday night game? Uh, it was Cowboys Eagles. We can just kind of skip over this one. The Eagles are really good. Cowboys need that first step back. They still fought, but Brush just not getting it done. One thing I do want to say because I got into a back and forth on Twitter um, that night about yeah I saw this yeah Brush being as good as Dak, and it's something that Skip Bayless is apparently talking about. Something that Colin Cowherd is talking about. The two games that he played these last two weeks are against playoff level defenses, the Rams and the Eagles. That is his highest level of competition he's going to face. He threw for 240 yards and was like 23 of 44, no touchdowns and three picks. So that like to go after all that and still say that just doesn't make sense to me. Like Dak is a guy who you can say, listen, if we need to run the offense through you, can you get us 300 yards? He can do it. I've seen him do it multiple times. Not to mention he threw 39 touchdowns and 4,500 yards last year. If you're Dallas, you should be very thankful for what Cooper Rush has done the last few weeks. Yes. And thank you very much. You'll still be here if we need you. This, and this isn't me. Yeah. This isn't me saying he sucks. It's saying like no. let's pump the brakes. And he and he doesn't, but it, it yeah. yeah. He was, it, it's just a you you would rather like come on, wild card weekend. You're telling me that Cooper Rush is gonna do the same that Dak can do. 
No. He was he was great in that position, but against the Rams, he threw the ball 16 times. Mm-hmm. 10 of 16, they scored a defensive touchdown and they scored a touchdown on a 53-yard Tony Pollard run. That was yeah. it. Those were their two touchdown scores. So if you want to talk about a guy who can get the offense going, how about the guy who led the Cowboys to be the number one scoring offense in the NFL last year? That's the guy I probably probably want as my quarterback. Coming off of a leg snap. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, makes sense. Kind of flowed the way we expected it to. Uh, Monday night. I don't know what. I think, I, I think Nathaniel Hackett needs to be fired. We've only seen him for six games, and I've seen him six times enough. I'm I'm not claiming to be like a like an NFL genius, right? Like I've never said that. There's a lot I have to learn about the intricacies of the game. Yeah, me sitting on my TV or sitting <laughs> sitting on my couch watching TV yeah. on a third and long situation, saying, "I think they're going to blitz," and they blitz. It's like there's there's two sides to it. It's coaching just not equipped to handle the most basic things that come up. Um, but also, I think a little bit goes on Russell Wilson. I mean, obviously, there was that screenshot of him missing his tight end who was wide open with him with a clear path to him on third and two. Um, but I don't know. There's, there's so many things we could talk about why Latavius Murray is now getting a workhorse role when Javante Williams couldn't and Melvin Gordon is still stuck on the bench. Like we can talk about how JC Jackson is one of the worst corners in terms of passer rating this year, but you can only get uh Cortland Sutton two catches. Uh, I mean, it's just like, it's crazy, but you know what? The crazier thing to me is the fact that I bet the over on them two weeks in a row. All right. That's really, that's really the, yeah, I, I threw that out into the group chat yesterday and got burned on that one. But um because I was it you or who was it who asked? He was like, Do we think that Denver can score? No, I think it might have been and Luke. Luke. It was Luke. Yeah. And uh Luke Owens of Is It Saturday Yet? Also presented by Student Union Sports. Check it out. It comes out on Thursdays. Um they uh and I said yes. And for mo- like the first half, the first quarter, I thought we were in good shape. Yeah, it was ten to ten at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, that's good pace. Yeah. I the reality of the situation is people are going to be like, "Oh wow, Russell Wilson started the first quarter ten of ten. He made two good throws. They're back to back. He he hit. It led to a touchdown. Yep, he hit a wide open tight end, and then I." I forget. It might have been Judy. It, no, it was KJ, KJ Hamler. I don't know. He hit one it was of KJ those. Hamler first, and then it was the tight end for the touchdown. Yeah. Dol- Dolchich. Do you see that guy who bet yeah. like 400 bucks on Dolchich's first touchdown? Yeah. Unreal. That's the stuff you dream about. Yeah. Um, but you also have to bet $400 on plus 4,500, which not me. I'm not your guy. That is that's nightmare fuel right there. Yeah. Um. All right. You want to talk some college athletes? Yeah, let's talk college. One more thing, actually, one more thing. For as much as, two things, actually. For as much as the Broncos' offense sucks, it really makes you appreciate how good this defense is. They have been insane for an offense that sucks that bad. 
Yeah. Like props to them. Uh, uh, who's now I'm blanking on the name. Pat Sertan is like w- one of the best corners in football right now. It was really funny though. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but number 27 picking up four pass oh. interferences in his first. Yeah. Yeah. That was, tough, that was tough pretty funny. And pretty secondly, good. yes, Nathaniel Hackett needs to be fired, but so does Brandon Staley. He sucks. You're yeah, telling me bad. you have you're telling me you have that many weapons and you struggle to put out points on a consistent basis. Like it's not like it was just one game. Like you have, in my eyes, a top five quarterback in the league. You've got Mike Williams, who's top 25, Austin Eckler, top 10. Like we like the weapons across the board, and they have injuries, but he needs to go. He's ruining Justin Herbert. Like this is prime window. Justin Herbert signs rookie contract. You can pay for guys. Um, but I guess it sucks when you pay for guys like JC Jackson and they just stink. Um, yeah. but anyways, let's talk college. All right. Um, I'll go first. Um, we picked these players last week or yeah. Yeah. And we were going to do them last week, but we ran out of time because we went for two hours. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're going to, we're going to get through this quick. Uh, storm duck corner, North Carolina. He's old. He was a little injury prone so far throughout his collegiate career. Uh, but he does have the makings and he does have the size of a pro like zone corner. Like he could do really well in like a zone coverage defense. Um, he is graded though. He was originally graded around like the fifth round. I think he's going to move up pretty high because you, you don't get a name like storm duck and then go in the fifth round. Of course. Just not storm how duck is a late second round, early third round name. Um, well, it's a, fir- so it's a had, first round name. It's a first round name. It's a first. Yeah, it's a first round name. Yeah. But pair it with the talent, and he and he slips just a little bit. But I I think that he's a third round talent. The NFL is in desperate need of just good corners, so maybe someone takes a takes a bite. But we'll see. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. If it's first, if first round name, fifth round talent, then it does balance out to the third round by the law. Yeah. So just mm-hmm. something to think about. Uh, first guy on my board is B. John Robinson, the running back out of Texas. You've probably heard about him. Uh, six foot two twenty, can do it all. It's going to be the first running back taken in this class. Um, I've heard comparisons. There was a tweet I saw that where somebody compared him to Barry Sanders. Said I wasn't around when Barry Sanders was playing football, but I imagine it was what B. John Robinson looks like right now. Um, it helps that Texas is back um, and they get consistent play. Uh, but then there's the question of where does he fall, right? Because we know uh, six foot two twenty. That's great size. He moves really well. Can catch. Can do everything you need him to. But we've had this conversation talking about where Christian McCaffrey goes. What team is going to spend a first round pick on him? Yeah. Like it, that's the trouble. Is like the talent is there, but the the trouble is the running back. Position Urban is- Meyer would, but Urban yeah. Meyer's not an NFL head coach anymore. Exactly. Because it's like, yeah, B. John Robinson's great, but if I can get two guys in the fourth and fifth round that combined can do what he does, I'm probably going to do that because it's just a lot cheaper and draft capital needs to go somewhere else. But I think someone will take a chance on him in the first round, but I think it's going to be the back end, similar to like what it was with Najee. I think it's going to be something along those lines of like in the 20s, somebody will take a shot on him because he's worth it. Um, He's He's that good. He is he is that good. Um, 
I had Jack Campbell, the linebacker from Iowa. Um, 6'5", 246, big guy, pretty stocky, but he moves well for being stocky. He ran like a 4'7", 40, um, like the last time that that was measured for him. Um, he's a type of guy who will – teams will shy away from a linebacker like him because he's so big and the way that the league is moving is just towards those athletic guys. But he's also someone who can make the immediate day one impact on like a special teams. So he'll go. I don't know where he'll go, but he's a guy who, even if he's not starting in your defense day one, he starts on special teams day one. So you're getting a starting player right away. Um, so I like him. Um, yeah, interesting player. Fits in a 4-3 better, in my opinion, too. All right, my guy is Antonio Johnson, uh, the safety out of Texas A&M. 6'3", 195. The initial things I saw, rangy, really good tackler. I wouldn't be surprised if teams try to play him in um, a linebacker role, um, like that hybrid that we see. It's pretty popular with a lot of these guys because um, I think he could do it with his ability in ta- tackling. Um, obviously size 195 is not huge at 6'3 um, but smart zone player like that's going to be his scheme if he does end up playing safety um, his ceiling is going to be you know how well a, a team utilizes him um, but in terms of where he goes that's also tough too I feel like I'm stuck with two positions that teams don't really like value as heavily um, yeah because you look at Kyle Duggar Kyle Duggar was like this generational safety talent um, and he's going in the middle of the first. Um, that being said, like it would be very like like a team like the Ravens to go out and get a guy like him. Um, he's projected back into the first. I think he probably slips middle of the second um, just because of that. Um, but really good player. Um, if they move him down into that linebacker role too, that kind of adds some versatility. I think he can do it with his ability as a tackler. But um, yeah, Antonio Johnson middle of the second round but good he's going to be a good quality producer his his rookie year right away all right uh i've got my last player you have yours and then we'll get to our picks quick and then we'll get out of here um my last player for the week is peter skaronski the offensive tackle at northwestern big dude 6'4 315 um he's a workhorse i mean this guy mauls people on the line he you'd like to see him improve his pass pro or at least i'd like to see more of his pass protection a little bit just because northwestern isn't northwestern isn't running with the best pro style offense as an example um he's a first round talent might be able to bump into the top 10 based on combine uh, attributes he is like neck and neck with paris johnson for top linemen going off the board kind of see where that goes but he is that dude right now. All right. My final guy, Parker Washington, uh, 5'10", 200-pound wide receiver out of Penn State. He's got sticky hands, can catch almost anything. You've probably seen yep. the highlight of, of his or two um, of him catching the ball. He's got a good route tree. Um, not like elite speed, but good enough um, and will translate to the next level. The toughest concern for him right now is just production. Um and, you know, he's the leading receiver at Penn State, but, like, what does that 
entail. Um, it helps that, you know, Jahan Dotson has been playing really well at the next level. So teams are going to be more likely to look, you know, that way, just because you see a guy in a scheme that is, is producing um, right now, sure. they've got, right now they've got him in the late uh, or early third, I should say. I think that's probably about where he stays um, unless he somehow breaks out. Um, but he's going to be one of those guys next year. I think that uh, or you're going to be talking about as like literally uh, the next. Uh, wow. I just said his name, Jahan Dotson. I was blanking on it, but of like that guy late round in fantasy, especially um, that's like, okay, he's electric. He's going to get you production. Um, like, yeah. So, all right. We've got our three guys, uh, which we finally got to. Uh, we missed it last week, but we're at 50 minutes, so we're making really good time. We've got our bets. We are. We, get, we, are. we get out of here, and then it's, what, 54 minutes this. total? That's good. All right. Let's run with it quick. So the first game that we are going to be betting Thursday on night. Cardinals. We got Saints at Cardinals. Oh, jeez. I'll I'll let you know what I took. I took the over 44 and a half. Primetime hasn't been too pretty to the over. But the Cardinals and Saints just kind of breeds weird defense and lots of offense. Yeah, I, I think 44 and a half is attainable. Even up to this point, I wasn't really sure where I was going to go because it was like you could literally make the case for every like I could see a game script where each one of these things hit. Um, but ultimately, now that Hollywood Brown is out, I'm going to take I don't know if we can do this, but I'm going to run with it because I feel like it's OK because it's plus one and a half. But I'm going to take the Saints money line, uh, which is even money. I think that if Jameis plays. The offense is going to feast against a struggling Cardinals defense. Um, and if he doesn't play, then Taysom Hill is going to have one of the wildest stat lines we've ever seen in football history. Um, but I've got the Saints winning this one, mainly off the back of no Hollywood Brown and a sucky Cardinals defense. Um, all right. My first weekend or like, yeah, Sunday game. Jets at Broncos. Oh, boy. I have the under 39 and a half. It's so disgusting. I hate it but I think the Broncos are so bad. Here's my concern with that, though. What happens if the Jets just defense is on point, everything's going, and then they scored 40 points on their own? That would be my only concern. We talked about how good that Broncos defense has been, though, this year. Fair enough. That's that's the concern there. I don't know. I'm riding with it. I like It's I like so it. bad that I love it, yeah. I like it. Um, I am going to take the Seahawks Chargers under 51 and a half. I think it's a lot of points. Okay. And there's, you know, talk about how explosive these offenses are, which I think gives them that boost. But they're also both very inconsistent. Uh, and the Seahawks defense has been playing better as of late. Tariq Woolen, the rookie, is looking like if Sauce Gardner was not in the conversation, he would be the guy for rookie of the year for as good as he's played so far. But I think the defenses can kind of keep it in check. And ultimately, Brandon Staley does not know how to run an offense that the, that is this good. So under 51 and a half. Um, 
Chiefs at 49ers. 49ers kind of got exposed this past weekend. The Chiefs haven't been, they've been very good. They haven't been overly impressive, but I think the Chiefs minus three is a gimme right now. I don't think that this game will be close. So you say that, but then the 49ers are going to come out and then we're going to be talking about, are they a top five team next week? Because mm-hmm. the reality of the situation is that's just the ride of Jimmy that's just how it goes in the 49ers. Yeah. Yep. It's really, it's, it's weird, but my final pick, uh, I mean, I, I took them in week five and I went off of them in week six. I shouldn't have done that because as we've seen, they are a wagon. I'm taking the Falcons plus six and a half against the Bengals. Uh, I think that the Bengals are not the Super Bowl, you know, appearance Bengals that we saw last year um, just yet. And I think that the Falcons can keep games close. And that's what they've designed their team to do. And why not go seven and oh? I mean, if you if there's a bet that hit six times, you'd be silly not to bet at a seven. So it's either that or my betting streak ends their cover streak. We'll see. I will say though, the fact Something's that they're gotta getting, give. the fact that they're getting six and a half is they're giving the Bengals six and a half is crazy to me. Because yeah. the Falcons have covered every game so far this season, and it's not, and they're they're both three and three. I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, I'll take it, but feels good. All right, that's it for us. You know what else feels good? Getting out of here under an hour. Yeah. Wow. I mean, for our listeners too, unless they're just they just want to hear us talk for more. Um, yeah. We'll do we'll do some bonus episodes for them if there's the interest. You you guys let us know, and we'll we can we can talk about. Justin Fields for 45 minutes. If we have. Or next Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, sorry. Did I say Josh Allen, Justin Fields? It even sounds similar. <laughs> Think about that. Wow. They look similar too. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, we'll end it on that one. I think that's a good stepping off point, but uh, we will we'll see you guys Big, next week. Big, stocky, muscular dudes. Yep. Very tall, very lanky. Or not lanky, but very athletic.